My name is Dustin Kelly, but everybody calls me DJ. I'm prior army, serving as both a Ford observer and a military police officer. I've spent the last 14 and a half years as a police officer and detective in a large metropolitan police department. Two things that I've learned throughout my career. One, everybody has a story to tell. And two, the best stories are true. This is the DTD Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the DTD Podcast. This week in the studio, he was a ranger. He was a Green Beret. He was a D-boy, and now he's just an all-around bad SOB. It's John Shrek McPhee. What's going on, man? Uh, what's up? What's up? I'm so glad that you're here to to talk, and uh, I, I, you have an interesting story. And the the big thing about you to me that made me try and get a hold of you guys and stuff was you seem to look at it all as, I don't want to say a joke, but you take it in stride. Everything you've done in life, uh, everything that you're about right now, you take it in stride. You can always make jokes about it and you, you just make it seem like you're always in a good mood. Now I'm sure that's not always the case. And, and there have been some bad times, but, but I love the way you carry your story out because it's different than a lot of people do. Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, Look, uh, I learned a while ago when uh, when I got promoted to SAR major, I didn't I wasn't ready to be a SAR major. I'm not I'm not army management. You know what I mean? I'm a soldier. I'm a leader. I'm a I'm a team player. I'm a rifleman. I'm a lot of things. But army management, you know, at the highest army levels where, you know, on the J staff, we got four fucking generals to deal with every day. And it's like, oh, don't give so-and-so that brief. Like, yo, I'm giving everyone this brief, whether they fucking like it or not, you know. So uh, I fucking hated my life, man. And then one day I realized I could wake up in the morning and I could decide to smile and have a good day. Or I could just be the fucking burned out, grumpy fucking asshole that I was all the time. And I never had fun like that. And I got to the point where, like, I wasn't having fun anymore. No fun, no matter what, right? So uh, I had to learn to let a lot of shit go. And uh, ever since I did, you know, I try to be my best every day. I feel like it's easy <clears throat> when you're in the Army you're kind of at the highest levels. Uh, I feel like it's easy to, um, like, that's the highlight chapter of your book. You know what I mean? Like, if this was a book, like, this is the the mid-story plot. This is the, I don't fucking know, I don't write stories, but whatever. Right? I barely even fucking read, right? I'm, I'm just talking shit right now because I have no idea what the fuck that means. But, uh, you're not just one chapter. And even though... You might have had the best chapter of your life. Why would you get stuck in that chapter? You know what I mean? Right. So uh, I'm always, look, I'm a good intent guy. I've always been, uh, you know, I've been done dirty a bunch of times by political guys in the army. And I just took it like a champ because I don't give a shit about you or your fucking paperwork. I'm not politicking. And, um, you know, I got good intent and I just try to help everyone I can as much as I can. So that's what I wanted to kind of talk about first. I want to talk about your career, but I don't want to really focus on, I want to touch on a couple things 
and and I want to get to where we kind of figure out why you are the way you are, because you just said you reached a point where you were pissed off all the time. You, you figured out that you just needed to be happy. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard that you wanted to be a jet pilot mechanic because you were yeah. mechanically yeah. Uh, yeah. inclined as a kid. Your, your stepdad had taught you a lot of stuff and you, you went and took the ASVAB and they told you, you know, there's a couple guys down the hall that would love to talk to you. So if you, if you can talk a yeah. little bit about that. Yeah, man. Look, I grew up working on trucks, you know, by the time I was 10 or 12, I was servicing my stepdad's truck, you know, grease year, you know, monthly maintenance, you know, served it, greased it, brakes, you name it, started working in truck shops and, it took me about 10 years in the army to make the same amount of money as I was making before I joined the army. So I knew I would always join the service. So I figured I'd go to the air force and I was already a diesel mechanic, a welder, I fixed all kinds of shit. Like the shit I had to do as a kid, like just to earn money was experience that people don't get these days. And, uh, uh, I went to the Air Force and I didn't score high enough on the ASVAB to be a mechanic. And I'm like, well, wait, I'm a mechanic right now. How can I not be a mechanic? That's what I do for a living. And I've done it since I was a little kid, you know, and they're like, sir, uh, you know, you qualify high enough to be admin in the Air Force. And I'm like, OK, what's admin? And they're like, you type memos, give people awards. And I'm like, it's like my, that sounds like a secretary. That's what my mom does. And like, yo, I don't know how to type or nothing. So how am I going to write memos, right? So uh, I went to the Army. Who knew? Well, you, I had also heard that you said that you kind of had this idea when, when you first talked about being the, the jet mechanic, like, hey, I can come in like the rest of your family had done. I can come in. I can do my time. I can move on with my life, have another job, another career, another kind of life after the military. And you said... If you worked on jets, that that's a very easy transition over to, you know, the airport or wherever it may be that you're servicing. But if you did what the army did maintenance on, which is tanks, that you'd be right back in the same spot that you were in. Uh, that's right. That's and, right. I did not want that. And 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 I want to talk about that because that really stuck out to me. You talk about Chicago and the south side of Chicago and. And it, that it's just a shithole, that it was a shithole then, it's a shithole now, it'll always be a shithole. And that that more than anything drove you in your military career, like, man, I can't go back, so we can only move yeah. forward. Yeah, uh, yeah, look, um, you know, my parents, you know, product of a kid of the 70s, my kid, my parents were young, you know, they were still pretty much drinking and partying, I mean... You know, and I was a little kid, we lived across the street from a bar, so I'd just walk over to the bar, they'd give me dinner, <laughs> I'd either hang out or go home because my parents <laughs> were there, right? Um, but, yeah, you know, as a kid, or as a diesel mechanic, it worked on pretty much gravel hauling trucks or bucket loaders. My nails, my fingers were just black, like... You know, what kind of girl wants to go out with a guy whose hands are black? You know, you definitely ain't getting a hand down no one's pants like that. I'm like, you're never going to get lucky with hands like that, right? So it's like tanks would have been the same thing, man. And then, you know, look, my whole time, like my parents didn't come. Like when I did play baseball or a sport, no one come to check it out. So, 
I was kind of always alone. And then when I joined the army, man, I knew this is a one-way street. And no matter what happens, like I'm moving forward. I'm not looking back because I'm, I'm not going back to the fucked up shit that I was doing. You know what I mean? Well, so, you were late that, to join, right? Yeah, I was, I was almost 21. I turned 21 in, uh, I don't know, airborne school something. But yeah, I was already 21. And so has that always, do you think that that has always driven you? Have you always thought about it, no matter what level you were at? Because, I mean, let's be honest, you were at the most elite unit in the military at the highest position that you could be at, at that position. Uh, did it still stick in your brain? Like, man, fuck, I cannot fuck this up. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, you know, I get asked a lot of questions. I did. I used to do question answer day. I did it every Wednesday for over three years and I just got tired of the same 10 fucking questions. Like can't do it no more. Once in a while, a guy would ask me a good question and you know, I think the the reality is, is like, my thought was, I am here right now, right? Okay. And guys always ask me like, hey, you know, what did you think about this when you were in the unit or that? Because they read, you know, one of the books, Relentless Strike or something. And the truth is, is like, you know how much shit I learned from reading those books? You know what I mean? Even though I was the one doing that shit, I'm only seeing this much. You know, so people ask me, what do you think about this or what do you think about that? And I'll tell you what I thought. Wake up at 545 to 6 o'clock. You know what I mean? Ride my bike or drive to work. Do cardio till 8. 8 o'clock, eat breakfast. <laughs> 830, be back in the team room. And 9 o'clock, we shoot till 1030. You know, 1030, I do jujitsu till lunchtime, I eat lunch. You know what I mean? 1 o'clock. I go shoot or do CQB again. Three o'clock, I hit the gym. I go home. You know what I mean? Uh, that's what I thought every day. And I can tell you this is like, I know a lot. There's guys out there. There's guys in the unit that are just genetic specimens. They truly are. And then there's there's a lot of regular guys. And, you know, the only reason I was where I was was my grind. You know what I mean? I grinded hard to be where I was. Right. You know, the, you, you know, you're not expected to know everything, but figure out what you're not good at and do it till you're good at those things. And eventually, you know, you'll be pretty good across the board. And so you kind of become a, a jack of all trades uh, with master of none. Um, and I, I think I think you would agree that's pretty much across the board in the military, uh, in law enforcement, in first responder, because I speak from a law enforcement uh, point of view. Uh, I did time in the military, but I, I speak from a law enforcement point of view and you figure out real quick what you're good and what you're bad at and you better know yourself. Um, yep. And so when we talk about that, when you're, when you're going through all the things that you're going through, how do you, you know, how do you kind of harness that power? Oh, because you got to be, you got to know yourself and you got to be humble. Yeah. Uh, that's a deep question. And I'm going to answer it with this is uh, um, my first real estate agent 
in Fayetteville was an older unit Black Hawk Down member's wife. And, uh, you know, she sold me my first house. Uh, I knew this guy forever. You know, I knew him before I even went to the unit. I knew him before, you know, Black Hawk Down. Um, and in knowing him and knowing her, she told me one day, she was like, yeah, you know, uh, most unit guys are fatherless. And I'm like, huh, what do you mean? You know what I mean? Like, I had a stepdad. I'm not fatherless, right? What does that mean? And she said, either you didn't have a dad, meaning single mom, or your dad was, uh, uh, I don't know what how to, how to even say it. Your dad is at, kind of absent. Like, he okay. gets up, he goes to work. He comes home, he's exhausted, he passes out on the couch. <laughs> you know what I mean? He and provides. He's gone before the morning, right? And then he does it again tomorrow, and he he grinds it out, right? And, and he's grinding it every day. Um, so most unit guys are what I would call, and she was right. So in my, I call it unofficial science. Like I'm on, when I'm curious about shit, I'll ask a thousand people the same question, even though no one might realize that I just asked everybody, you know what I mean? Um, and I ask guys, you know, Hey, what was your, what's your father's status like? And she was right. Most guys are fatherless, right? Meaning their dad was grinding it out. He didn't have time to, to be there for him. Um, I'd also say this is a lot of guys end up being, um, <clears throat> most of your best, best guys in a gunfight are generally guys that were kind of borderline abused as kids, right? Because, you know, you're going to get the shit knocked out of you. You need to calm down and act right, or you'll get the shit knocked out of you again, especially as a little kid. But going through those cycles, right, allows you to ramp stuff up, let the adrenaline flow when it's time, and then when it's time, back it back down. So I think a lot of guys that grew up in that category um, were always a little bit better in combat in the sense that they could control their emotions, use it when they want to use it, back it back down when they need it. Well, that kind of brings into another point. When you see stuff like that and when you when you talk about being fatherless, I think that you see that go forward into the next generation because these guys are providing, but they're constantly gone. They're constantly in the mission. Their brain is constantly wanting to go back. I've talked to tons of guys that say, man, I just wanted to go back. I just wanted to get back in the fight. I just wanted to. And when you ask them why there, there's some answers, but there's really not like a, like a definitive, like this is why I wanted to do it. And you look and and it's interesting that you say that, that you, you see all these guys that are fatherless. Those are the best guys that maybe are in a gunfight, but then they end up being that father. Yeah. 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 The cycle repeats. Hey, I was always gone. I was, I was the absentee dad. Right. And so let's speak in just your case. Okay. So when you're always gone, do you think about that? Does it ever pop in your head? Like, Hey, all the time. Okay. All the time, right? Like you're, you got to where you are because you were fatherless and now you're at the top of your game 
and and you're doing the same thing, right? Like there's right. there's no middle ground here. And right, right. Yeah, it's it's just one of the things. There's no middle ground. So you know the reality is, you know you could try to be dad of the year when you're home, you know, and then when you're not home, you're not home, right? Like, um, but still that ends up to the same equation. But I'd also say this is, um, they say the commando gene skips a generation, right? Um, which what I've seen is true. Uh, guys that I know that are fucking, this is the guy you want to be with in a gunfight. His kids ain't in the depot. You know what I mean? Um, so, and then a couple guys I know that their kids actually made it like, and their kids are actually better than them. It's like, well, the kid's better than you. So we know who got the commando gene here. Right. Um, but a lot of times I think the fatherless model creates another professional person who doesn't need to be watched over who realizes like you know you're gonna have to do these things yourself right not that you know you're not loved or anything like that it's just you realize this is a reality and then you're gonna live out that reality and i bet you and it's hard to it's hard to tell and i'd say this is one of the biggest problems in america right now but it's are we fucking up the parenting model by giving our kids everything, give them the iPad to keep them shut up or should a certain amount of discipline and or beatings and or you got to figure this on your own. Is that better long-term? And I don't think anyone has an answer for that. Well, I think that's the million dollar question. And the only thing I can come up with, I have three daughters of my own, two teenagers and one coming up into the teenager but all daughters and, and you're right. You work your whole life to make your kid's life better than what you had. But then you fall in that trap of, well, now I've made it good for them, but they don't know necessarily how to struggle, how to grind. And so right. what, and so what happens to that next generation group? What happens when they have kids? Does it go back to the grind? Do they fall on their face? What what happens? Because I think, John, and, and I think you would agree with me, I, I've talked to a guy that works at one of the training centers for the Army, and we have things like uh, you can't call him battle buddy. Uh, you can't call it the DFAC anymore. It's the Army uh, restaurant or the Army cafe or something like that. And we're doing all these things to make everybody feel good about what they're doing, but it's going to end up biting us in the ass. And I ask you this because your career moved rather quickly, but you were always in some form of special operations, whether you be with the Rangers, Green Berets, Delta, whatever it may be. You saw a different part of the Army. You didn't see Big Army. But Big Army is the one that sustains the most. And we're getting all these people in that think, I'll go in for two years and, and they'll do this and that. And then they get there and they're like, holy shit. Uh, I did not expect for all this to be on me. How do we fix that? I got to be honest. Um, 
I can only speak for myself. Okay. Um, all my kids are grown. They're all over 21. You know what I mean? Um, I'd rather have them at my house eating barbecue and drinking whiskey than fight with them about fucking blue hair when they're fucking 13. I don't know. So I've always tried to be the bigger person. Um, me and my wife have talked several times since we were kind of like empty nesters, right? I guess that's the term for it. Um, and we wished at times we would have had more discipline for the kids, right? Um, I believe discipline forces them to make choices, right? Uh, you know, and I'm not talking, you know, like beat them like 1970 smoking drunks like my parents, right? Yeah. I'm talking like... Believe me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, let's see if the kid will fall down the stairs. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks for the push, Dad. Yeah. Like, we, anyway. uh, <laughs> you know, my brother and I, we got, we got spanked with a wooden spoon, a plastic spoon, and a white leather belt. And I'll never forget one day, my brother and I, my older brother and I dug a fucking hole and buried all three of those things in there. And when they went to look for him, the next time my mom, she was a single mom. Hey, where's this at? I don't know. It was in a fucking hole to never appear again on this earth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, we hid the belt one time from my stepdad and he ended up grabbing this like... We had this, like, I don't know, these like plexiglass things that go on a shelf where you put knickknacks on them. Okay. And it makes, I don't know, just like a piece of plexiglass. He grabbed that thing. It was like, he hit my brother, right? And my brother toughed it out. But he was a little older than me. He hit me. I was like, yo, I know where the belt is. This is worse, <laughs> right? I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'll tell you anything you want. It's over here. I'll go get it for you. So does that translate to Sear School? <laughs> absolutely does man <laughs> when you live in you were a model prisoner like, yeah i'm like well i'm back in my box again i got more time in the box than i do anything else so <clears throat> moving through it like i was saying about the military you have all these things and and what we talked about are you going to argue about these small things and i i think they equate over there what happens to our military Oh, man, we're fucking this up by the day. Our our Pentagon, these fucking generals, you know what I mean? Like, we haven't won a war lately. Let's just be honest. Okay. And I would also say this. It used to piss me off, you know, like, you know, Battle of Tora Bora. You fucking send 10 of us. We couldn't even get a ranger company to fucking shut down the only ways out, right? We wouldn't have needed that many guys, but... You know, it was a little more than 10 of us could do. And then all of a sudden, right? Like, yo, I see this super tall guy. We're going to fucking J-damn this fucker, right? Like, how many savages are that tall? I only know of one. And, uh, you know, and you know, you call on the radio and it's like, it's over. Uh, I'm still here. They're over there. Like, it's not over. I'm still here, right? And the Pentagon's like, it's not it's over. I personally think that we do not have the ability to kill people and break their shit anymore. Now, I don't know if that's a warfare we're going to do again, but I will tell you this. Every fucking third world country, their soldiers are fit. Why? Fitness is free. It costs the army nothing. You're here. I'm here. We run. <laughs> we do push-ups, whether you like it or not, right? So... The fact that we don't even have a fucking 
a fit army is is kind of tragic in my eyes, especially combat arms. Like, look, if you're, you know, support of the army and, you know, you don't need to be fit. Like, you, you know, there, there should be, you know, combat arms, men, women, whatever. This is the standard you pass, you're in, right? And everyone else. And I think there's computer kids in the army and communications, right? Hey, them, they're going to sit behind a desk in the States the whole time. Like, why, why do they need to be fit, right? So at a minimum, we're fucking up the one thing that is absolutely free to the Army, right? And we're going to keep doing this, and we're going to keep catering to people. And then look, in Russia, you know, they're, they're fucking getting dudes that are 6'3". They're giving them steroids. They're telling them to hate fucking people, you know, like... When it comes to army shit, this isn't a social experiment, right? This is a very regimented and has to be if you want to fight and win a big war. So I think on a lot of levels, we're failing not only ourselves, but our children, right? We're failing, you know, if your kid's in the army right now, which is a bunch of millennials, and trust me, I got fucking two of them in the army, in the big army too, um, you know, it's fucking pathetic, leadership's horrible right so i think that in raising kids to be better and them not getting smacked around when their parents were drunk leads them to be just a bunch of fucking pussies and then and then you know yeah yeah i don't know maybe there's another term hey sorry if you're offended oh by the way i don't give a fuck uh just throw it out there right so hey if you're gonna drop a comment fuck you i don't care um so but the reality is, is like, look, we're, we're failing these kids by being politically correct. You can't be politically correct. You can't tiptoe around these areas. The army is kill the bad guy and break his shit so he can't use the shit against you later. That's it. It's a simple concept. And I think we're failing the kids, right? And, and I'll tell you this, is like, uh, when I took over a special forces A team as the team sergeant, Right. Um, I am uh, a very calculated guy. We're going to do this stuff. We're going to get in shape. But instead of doing it all tomorrow, we're going to have a a pattern and a schedule over the next month. By the end of the month, we'll be better. Right. Like some guys, they take over and it's like, okay, boys, we're running 15 miles. Like and then that's it. Right. I was always more calculated than that. The more I treated my guys like shit and ran them into the ground and thought up cruel shit that we could all do together. And the more I did that, the more the guys loved it, the better off we were. You can't tell me these loved kids don't want an adventure. You can't tell me they don't want to be I think kids want structure. Right. They want it. And we're failing them by not providing that. Well, here's what a lot of people would say to that. A lot of people would say... That's the old way of thinking. That doesn't work anymore. This is a new kind of... But I think that we've gone so far in the other direction that we've kind of forgotten where that direction's at. Uh, to where we come back to to talking about grinding. And if you want something, you you eat, sleep, and breathe that until you get it. Right. I don't think that's there anymore. It's not, and that's what people miss. And and that's why veterans will always love the Army and their time in the Army, 
right? Especially if they went to combat. They had a purpose. They had a job. They had a duty. I do this. Someone else does that. Someone else does these things, right? We all do our jobs. Guess what happens? Um, and I think, you know, from the top of the Pentagon to basic training right now, we're failing. I believe we're failing all these kids. And I believe they're failing my kids right now. And both my, kids, both my boys are in the Army, you know? If you don't mind, what do they do? Uh, one is uh, comms, computers, right? Because all the comms stuff. That's the future the of warfare. Yeah, dude, yeah. The way, hey, when he, well, he told me his job. He's like, he came over to a recruiter and he was like, my job is this. And I'm like, you got took, son. Army ain't got no jobs like that. I had to go on the Army <laughs> website. I'm like, oh, shit. That was legit. Wait. Oh yeah, you're legit. You, you thought back to your days when you took the test, and they <laughs> yeah. were like, "Yeah, we don't have that shit." Yeah, the army had like you know probably thirty jobs when I joined. <laughs> now they got like two hundred and eighty-seven. I don't even know, right? But uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, when he signed for that job, he ensured he never needed a, a you know another job a day in his life. And then the other ones, uh, infantry at Lewis. Uh, well, one is definitely following, but the other one could quickly, like I said, with the future of warfare, fall into that. Oh, he could definitely to be uh, tasked yeah. out to him or or sliced yeah. out or yeah. whatever. I mean, that's a yeah. that's a definite possibility. So I want to talk about um, <laughs> a couple things. You talked about uh, Torbora. Um, you're a kind of a character talked about in uh, Kill Bin Laden, the Dalton Fury book. Um, that book, if you, if people haven't read it is a very big eye opener to how, uh, we kind of switch gears into how we fought. Uh, I read in there that we had giant cases of just money to hand to warlords to get us through areas and things like, like it was amazing to hear how we did some of the things. Now, from everything that I've read, everything that I've watched about you, Afghanistan, not your favorite place on earth. Uh, as a matter of no. fact, you said that you were uh, eating rice and flies for meals, crapping in a hole, lucky to get a shower, and just hoping the water that you drank didn't make you sick. Amen. So I'm guessing not your favorite place in the world. No. Uh, I had a good time there. Um, it was beautiful there beautiful it is definitely the land the time for god um but yeah not my favorite place man i mean now i i would say this about afghanistan which is one of one of the things i do best is since no one knows what's going on at all times wherever the fuck you are you make your own rules and uh you know this is where like i found these super chaotic situation where no one knows what's going on like you all figure this out. This is my jam right here. I got this, right? So um, Afghanistan taught me a lot. And I'll tell you, um, going back into Tora Bora as a singleton after the Battle of Tora Bora, being alone, uh, you know, week, 10 days, whatever it was, I learned 100% more every minute I was out than being out with two or a dozen dudes you know what i mean because when you know when there's a couple of us we'll fucking kill everybody i'm not even worried about this shit you know when you're alone like is killing everyone appropriate and when when is that time when you know and, and how would that start and you know is there a better way could i just slip out of here without even 
you know, being noticed, right? So um, I learned a hundredfold and I learned the biggest lesson I learned, we're going to have to be a lot fucking smarter if we're going to find these motherfuckers and win this war. And do you think, before I bring up Iraq, do you think we did get smarter? And the reason I ask that question is because right now the idea is we're going to pull all the forces out of Afghanistan. And in essence, we're going to create a vacuum over there. So we fought there for 20 plus years. Now we're going to pull out. They've been fighting for centuries. Yeah. And it's going to go right back to where it did. So do you ever, one, look at it and go, what the fuck did we go over there for in the first place? Like, we're, we're just going to give it back. So why even be there in the first place? That's the first part of the question. And the second part of the question is, do you think we got smarter over there? Yeah, no, we never got smarter. Okay. I think the unit got smarter. Um, I think there was a lot of institutional knowledge gained. Um, but overall, I think Afghanistan, and especially Iraq, lulled us into what I call the soft enemy concept. I could walk into a house naked backwards with a wheel gun taped to my belly, right? Walk in. Someone's like, why are you in my house naked? I turn around and I shoot everyone with the wheel gun. So because I did this in combat, should I come teach every police department in America the walking naked backwards? Right? Like, so the soft enemy concept is you can do whatever the fuck you want. And that's why there's been so many deaths. And that's why you'll see different special operations. If you look at the number of guys that go out, number of missions they have, the number of casualties they take, you'll see that there's certain demographics that take a ton more fucking casualties because it's a soft enemy concept. They just think they can do whatever the fuck they want night after night. When the reality is, is you figure out the pattern, you change your shit up and you fucking overwhelm everybody and no one will ever get a shot off on you. And if they did, it'd be suicide because it'd be over in the first second. So, yeah. So it, it, it just, uh, I don't think we got smarter and I don't think Iraq helped. Right. If we would have solely focused on Afghanistan for 20 years, I think we might be smarter. Right. But because of Iraq, we weren't. And this is why the big army wanted Iraq is they wanted to drive their tanks because there's pavement and they want to fucking use their artillery. And but the fucking big army never once wanted to hump them motherfucking mountains. You know what I mean? Can't put tanks in the mountains. Fuck that. Right. So. You know, Afghanistan was very much a, you know, special forces war where Iraq was a big army war. But the reality is, is I don't think we got smarter and I don't think the Pentagon learned shit. Uh, Sir, we're going to do a surge and we're going to send 4,000 people. Like, are you fucking kidding me? The safest Iraq ever was when there was a Joe under every overpass in a fucking tank and every corner there's two LVs like. That's the safest it ever was, right? So these, these, you know, even the upper levels, right? Given these fucking bullshit resurge with three thousand guys, like, yo, how many, how many dudes are on the payroll? Fucking send everybody. We got nothing going on right now, right? So, I think from from the ground up, I don't think we learn shit at any level, and I think it's all been lost, and due to continuity issues, everyone's turned over, right? They have no idea what's going on in fucking Tora Bora. Matter of fact, I think about a year ago they fought another the the Taliban and special forces linked up together to fight ISIS in Tora Bora because 
there's one group that the fucking Taliban hates more than us, and that's ISIS. Well, and so, I think even their guy became like the foreign minister or something. The guy that linked up with the U.S. forces is now like the foreign minister over there. Right. Well, and and it's it's interesting that you say that. So the way I look at this, and tell me how you feel, with the way you say that, it seems like 9-11 happened, Afghanistan, we go over there. That's a truly patriotic cause. We are striking back at who struck us. Do you think Iraq was more of a propaganda war then? We need so, a win here. We didn't catch bin Laden right off the bat. We did do a lot of damage over there. Do you think Iraq is, well, let's get a, a not a propaganda war, but let's get a popular war or a popular idea uh, um i think iraq was the big army saying we want this this is our baby right because that's big army shit right so the big army wanted iraq okay more but, than anything else but why now, uh because there's no elevation they can fly helicopters you know just picking people up and dropping people off ain't over their skill level right so okay um having said that the big army very much wanted iraq do i think that um one is easier than other yeah iraq was absolutely easier that's why the timeline was shorter that's why we did more in iraq because you could be more mobile you could fly helicopters anywhere you could drive tanks anywhere you could you know because terrain was much more favorable than afghanistan um now as for both of them they were both based off a fucking lie seriously right complete waste of time both of them right like look I had the time of my life there and I loved everything I did there and I regret nothing and I'd do it all again to include the shit I probably shouldn't have been doing. I'd do that too again, right? But the reality is, is like, look, we came in Afghanistan and we gave the Taliban 48 hours to turn over bin Laden. 40 hours into it, Mullah Omar said, we'll turn him over. And what did we do anyway? Fuck you too far. <laughs> right? And then here we are. We spent fucking 20 years trying to fucking in place a democratic government. Look how fucked up our democracy is and our voting systems. <laughs> Don't even go there. And then we're going to try to superimpose this on fucking people that besides taxi cabs and fucking cell phones, they're in biblical times. Right? And we're, we're going to expect that's going to win. And it, it's all based off a lie. We would fucking say, hey, you know, this guy's been the rightful, you know, guy running this area for 70 years throughout. He he was part of the Russian invasions. And then we're going to come in and be like, no, 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 we're, we're bringing this guy in. And they're like, yeah, okay. And then they fucking kill that guy. And the Taliban guy takes over anyway. Right? So I think it was a waste of fucking time. And we prosecuted it absolutely wrong. Now, Iraq totally based off a lie, totally prosecuted wrong. We took it over, right? You should have kept the army in place. You should have paid. We should have been paying, bankrolling their army to fucking take care of their own people, right? So I think both of them were based off of fucking shit. But hey, the, you can go back to every war that has ever been started since the beginning of time. Vietnam, fucking based off of bullshit information from the agency, right? Weapons of mass destruction. Okay, you tell me that was legit. Well, 
I don't think they had nukes, but I'll tell you this, they had chemical weapons and they went to Syria. And we know that because Syria has used chemical weapons against their people. So, but personally, I think they're both a waste of fucking time. I think they could have been handled better by a better statesman. And, uh, you know, and I, I don't think, look, and, and I think it goes to this. And just hear me out, and I know this is going to sound crazy. Think about this. You send 10 of your guys to go kill bin Laden in the first 10 days of guys being ground, on, the, on the ground. Okay. What if we killed bin Laden day two of the jihad? Right? What would have happened then? What do you think worldwide jihad uh, recruiting would have done over the next three to five years? Right? So there wouldn't have been a Zarqawi. He would have never gained popularity. Right? And there wouldn't have been a war on terror because it had fizzled out. However, however, if we play both sides of this, we control him. We stash him away. We tell you guys it's over. We can soak up trillions of dollars for years to come. What sounds like a better outcome to your organization? You know what I mean? And the Army's guilty of this, too. The Army... The army wants that fucking money. You think special forces guys are going to go, we don't want to fucking deploy anymore because, well, we're just tired of killing people, boss. Like, no, fuck no. No one's saying that, right? So, um, you know, I don't know. Think about that. That That's my thing is I think the MI-17s that came and picked them up, that took them to Pakistan, wherever the fuck he went, were our helicopters. That's an interesting one that I haven't heard from anyone before. But I, the only thing I would maybe disagree with you on is I would think, though, say you take him out in the first two days, okay? I would think that he becomes an even bigger martyr and membership I surges. This. I would say this. Okay. The U.S. sends 10 motherfuckers over there, and that guy ends up two days later dead. Yo, who wants to step up? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, I get it. I mean, someone might step up, but look, you keep that guy safe. You get, you know, look at the agency. They've gotten trillions of dollars in funding for the GWAT. And and what are they doing? They've divulged of all fucking human almost, and they're fucking just get shit off of Facebook and cell phones. Let's transition to Iraq really quick. Okay. okay. Now about Iraq, you said I lived in Saddam's palace, huge showers, six, I think, fixtures at once, yeah. gold fixtures on the, the sink. You didn't yeah. have this shit at your house. You were like, yeah. fuck, this is the way to war. I know. I used to think that every day I washed my face in that gold sink. Like, <laughs> this is how you war, baby. This is how you war. Like, maybe later I'll grab a cocktail. Oh, I got to ride a little bird. I'll be back in an hour, right? <laughs> so, in talking about everything that we have, what do we do right in Iraq? I think that's my answer. <laughs> okay. Uh... Do I think there's weapons of mass destruction? Yes. Right. We know the chemical weapons went to Syria. Absolutely. Them, right. So uh, I think Iraq has been under the table justified uh, from my opinion and what I've seen. 
However, what did we do right? Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Getting rid of Uday, Kuse, and Saddam. Yeah. Uh, good idea? Uday and Kuse, absolutely. Those guys. They were, were monsters. Evil motherfucking bastards. They needed to die, right? Um, yeah, I have no remorse about Uday or Kuse at all, right? They needed to die. Saddam? You think Iran would be running amok all over the planet if he was worried about Saddam fucking handing him his ass? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I want to bring up something since we're talking about Saddam right here. You made this post. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my Christmas Eve sweater. <laughs> I could say we did good by taking fashion sins from Iraq. I don't know. You tell me. Um, I pretty much could have had every piece of clothing Saddam ever wore. Uh, I also have, you ever see the thing where he shoots the Mauser in the air? He's got the fox fur hat. I got that hat. I'll bust that out one of these days. <laughs> Maybe maybe next podcast we'll be doing the who wore it best with the fox for hat. I don't know. Okay. All right. Uh, so, um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's just one of the sweaters. I got a sweater from him. And, like, interesting is he would buy one. If, he, if so, if Saddam wanted that sweater that I'm wearing, he bought one in every size. He, he wore – he would take the one – that uh that fit him and he would destroy all the other sizes because he didn't want anyone to know how big or little he was okay uh he seems like a maniac a little bit yeah i think he was better for the middle east stability really than we gave him, than we gave him credit for I, the only problem I have with that is just like you said, though, Uday and Kuse. I mean, those are direct, th those are acorns falling off the fucking tree. I mean. Yeah, I didn't say I wanted those guys to take over. Either. No, no, no. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that I, I feel that it's very, it's a very easy slippery slope for him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I also think it, it kind of worked this way. Syria, the war in Syria is a forefront proxy war, right? Iran and Russia, Saudi and the United States, right? But what we did is we stopped two brothers from fighting, right? You ever see two brothers fighting and then like one brother's getting his ass kicked and you're like, hey, what are you doing? And then both of them fuckers turn on you. My brother told me that. Don't ever get in the middle of someone else's fight. I feel like when we took Saddam away from Iran, that's what we did. So Iran, you know, we take Saddam out. Iran now doesn't have another brother to worry about fighting with. So they come full board us. You'd think they would just be thankful. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Obama gave him $150 billion. You'd think they'd be sucking our dicks. All right. Let's finish up your military career. What, what's your best time in the military? Uh, Either man. one event or something that always sticks. Best time you ever had. Man, I've done so much shit. 
Uh, best time I ever had. I would say kind of the best time I had was in Tora Bora. We got to the top of the mountains, uh, driving my red Toyota truck. We stopped, me and another guy stop and get out. And it's just fucking tanks shooting over your head from behind you. Fucking RPGs, planes buzzing over, fucking gunfire, machine guns, mortars. And just like, it's all going off. And we get outside of the truck. I'm on the top of this ridgeline. And I'm kind of looking over the battlefield, right? And I'm like, this is amazing, you know? And uh, I just, I just stand in there. So like, there's, a, you know, so much shit going off. You know, as a new guy, I kind of couldn't tell at the time. Or as a mid-level mid guy with no combat. And uh, I asked another guy I was with who, he was on the Panama raid. Uh, he was the guy that fired the machine gun into the barracks that, like, dropped all the dudes in the barracks. And so I, I look over at him. I'm like, hey, is this incoming or outgoing? He was like, I don't fucking know. And I was like, so I was just standing there, right? And uh, so we just stood there. And, like, little did I know, you know, like, Dalton Fury uh, and, you know, our commanders are with their commander. And their commander's like, look at how brave your men are. They're just standing up to the mortar barrage, right? Like, uh, yeah, I didn't know it was a mortar barrage. I couldn't tell what we were, what, which way, what was what. You know what I mean? And then about 10 years later, he's like, dude, remember that time we were standing on the top of the mountain? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, remember you asked me if it was incoming or outgoing? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, it was incoming, but I didn't want to tell you that because you had such a big smile on your face. I thought I'd just leave you alone for a minute. I'm like, so you knew we were in a mortar attack and you didn't tell me and we could have died. Like, that's a terrible idea. And he was like, dude, if you would have seen the smile on your face, I just left you alone, right? And that's kind of when I knew, like, like, yeah, chaos is my jam. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling this. Like, I'm, I'm, I think I'm where I should be for now. You know what I mean? Like, I finally, like, through my whole life, like, I finally belong. You know, like, I made it. You know what I mean? So, speaking of that and chaos being your jam, worst time in the military? Ugh, being an E9 on the fucking J staff. <sighs> Okay. Listen to these listen to these fucking generals and officers and you gotta fucking be nice with their feelings and like and like, you know, I didn't even have to shave to be a sergeant major. I just when I was dealing with army types, I'd shave I you know, I normally kept just a little beard. I'd shave it, I'd put a uniform on, I'd get a haircut, I'd go deal with the army, I'd come back, I'd grow it back, whatever, whatever was going on, right? Well, uh Here's a fucking legendary SF general that was our deputy at the time, the fucking old drunk fuck. Uh, so I'm in the jock and I got a leather gun belt on. And I happened to be in uniform because I was running, you know, five as a single guy. So five at night to five in the morning. What would happen is I'd come on work at five, about seven o'clock would be about midnight in Iraq-ish uh, from about seven to ten. We'd hit all the targets. I'd compile all the data. And then in the morning when the general would come in, I'd be like, you know, being the senior enlisted in the operations center, I'd be like, okay, we hit 47 targets last night. We killed the fucking 137 people. We shot five trucks, right? Like, I'd have to give him the breakout of what happened while he was sleeping. So he's like, Sergeant Ranger, you got it. That's not a rigor belt. And I was like, I was like, 
And it's like, you know, five in the morning, I'm ready to go home. You know what it's like being a single guy working five at night to five in the morning? You ain't never going to have a date, by the way. Uh, so, like, he was like, hey, Sarmadier, that's not a rigger belt. I was like, it's because I don't rig anything on my waist. This is a gun belt. You want to know why I fucking carry guns? And he's like, all right, Sarmadier, thank you for the briefing, right? Um, and that's when I knew, like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like... A fucking month ago or less, I was fucking shooting people in the face for less than that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And now I got to deal with these fuckheads. So that's when you hated life. Yeah. So what was the, I guess before we get into the next question, what was the turning point then? What happened that made you go, look, I can either be fucking pissed off all the time or because you said that in the very beginning. But what was it that finally kicked you over the edge and you're like, fuck this? Yeah, dude, it was it was those little things of being this Army Sergeant Major on a fucking J-staff. I never joined the Army to be management. I joined the Army to be a soldier, right? If I wanted to be management, right, I would have picked a different job. If I wanted to be anything else, I would have picked that job. Um you know, so getting that, you know, promoted to E9, although I do enjoy the retirement, no complaints. Um, I never enjoyed the work or responsibilities. And what I didn't enjoy about it is I was blindsided and had to step in to a very political part of the Army, right? Look, lieutenant colonels in the Army are politicking to be colonels, and colonels are politicking to, to be, be generals. generals. You know what I mean? And these guys are, you know, and then, um, you know, like it would be little things like we'd have, you know, like, you know, we're on a, we were on a, I think we were flying back from London on the private jet and, you know, McChrystal's telling my boss to do stuff that was like a different, you know, Colonel's job. And I'm like, I'm like, finally, I asked my boss on the side, I'm like, Hey, why the fuck you, why the fuck are we doing these guys' work? Fuck them. And he's like, as soon as you make, you know, you're general promotable, like you're going to get promoted to general. You no longer have to be responsible for your actions. So I have to do his job until they get a new colonel in here. And I'm like, motherfucker, do your job till you're promoted, right? And it was just, it was always just this fucking political monster side. Um, you know, guys like McChrystal and McCraven working directly for them just burned me the fuck out. Those guys are idiots. So how do you deal with retirement? Because a lot of guys, especially in that kind of line of work, have a real hard time finding purpose in life after it's all over. Now, you've transitioned very well, <laughs> but a lot of guys have a real hard time figuring out who they are anymore. Because like you said, I, when you were J-Staff, a year ago you were shooting people in the face. Then you go to J-Staff, then you get out of the military, and you're definitely not doing any of that stuff. Ugh. I promised myself when I retired I wouldn't kill anybody else. And <laughs> I did. I promised myself that. Okay. I wouldn't. I'm not killing nobody. Uh, there's been a couple times where I regret making myself that promise where I'm like... I'm like, I promised myself, I told myself I was going to be a bigger person. You're going to drag me down. Uh, but 
I had to realize, right, and it's a simple test. I'll give you the test. You've probably heard me say this before, right? Doesn't matter what's going on, right? Really simple. All I want you to do right now is say, let it go. Let it go. See the pause? See how you had to look away? You paused for a second because you your brain's not really sure that it wants to let go. Make sense? And then I would tell guys this that were like getting divorced. That were when I was a sergeant major. Like I counseled a lot. I helped a lot of guys through a lot of divorces. Girls through divorces. And I just counseled a lot of people because I've always been the good intent guy. And I'm going to give you the advice I think you need to hear, and and what's right. Maybe not what's popular. And I noticed I would have guys where I'm like, hey, man, let it go. You got to let that shit go. And a guy couldn't fucking say it. Like, I had a guy, I couldn't get him to say it for about three months. He'd come in my office. He'd be like, hey, Sergeant Major. I'm like, what do you say? And he'd be like, uh, uh, get the fuck out when you can say it. And he'd be like, but uh, Sergeant Major, I don't give a fuck. Get the fuck out of my office. Come back when you can say it, right? What I realized is there's... Your brain doesn't want to let this shit go. Your brain wants to think negatively. Your brain wants to feed off a of negative energy. And it's if you believe in evolution or whatever, right, it's probably what kept caveman alive, these negative thoughts. Tiger could come in here, keep spear nearby, right? Um, so I think it's natural to have these negative thoughts, right? However, you have to let some of them go. And some of the crazy thoughts... You need to thank your brain for the suggestion. It's not probable. And move, and move on instead of, you know, becoming married to some of these crazy ideas that people, you know, they like think this. And you're like, where the fuck you get that? Right? But they don't know. That's how they got it, right? So I would say, you know, learning just to let it go. And look, we all, there's going to be times where, I mean, you know, is the rest of my life going to be a cakewalk? I'm going to fucking try like fuck to make it that way. However, is it going to be? No. Is there going to be setbacks? Of course. Am I going to fucking suffer hardships? Absolutely, right? Like, uh, however, right? And, oh, by the way, the only thing I'm guaranteed to do in this lifetime is die. However, I'm not going to let none of that ruin my day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we'll worry about that when we get to it. Well, I, and, and, I I think you might be having a pretty good cakewalk with uh, whiskey and those fucking pizzas I see you've been making in your pizza oven. So. Hey, I, I didn't even I didn't even get a picture. I cooked some. I just got that uni pizza oven, yeah. propane. Like uh, I know. saw you were making those little tiny pizzas, though. You I need know, to be. Man. We need to be going for some big stuff. Uh, yeah, I I'm I'm honing my craft. I'm honing my craft. I used to work. I worked in a pizza place as a kid, so I kind of know how. Um, it's just, you know, feeling the oven out, getting the temperatures right. But, yeah, I cooked pizza yesterday, and, like, it was gone so quick. I didn't even get the Instagram woo picture out of it. It was gone. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be great. Oh, this one looks perfect. I throw it inside, put another one out of the oven, come back, and, like, all the pizza gone already? Like, Yeah, that happens in my house. All right, let's talk about <laughs> SOB Tactical. Because yeah. this is after retirement. So your goal is for you to gain new skills and confidence quicker, saving you both precious time, money, and making you the hero in every story. Amen. 
Now, here's the thing that really blew me away about this. Yeah. A lot of guys that teach classes are teaching classes to make money. You yeah. agree? Whether yeah. that be in law enforcement, whatever it may be, they're there to make that fucking Skrilla. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Your class sizes are 10 or less. Yeah, always. Yeah. John, you can't make no money doing that, man. I'm trying <laughs> to help you here. I told you I just want to help, man. I told you I just want to help. So um, it seems different than most money-based. So why? Look, I, man, I started doing that. The, in about 2011, I got the coaches I have. And then I shot with world champions. I shot with my buddies. I shot with everybody I normally shoot with, right? And, you know, I don't know. Generally speaking, I'm a master class shoot, shooter if I go out to IPSC. Uh, you know, I maybe hit a couple matches a year at most, right? Um, and I realized in using the video that what we have been telling to each other to get good and what was actually happening, I started to see those were different things, right? So it took me about a year and a half of watching videos, every video I could get, every video I can make, right? And in 2011, there wasn't a lot of shooting videos out there. You know what I mean? So I had to make like ones and I was even at matches. I was with, I was at a match with Rob Latham and Rob's about to start and I wasn't ready. I was like, hold on, hold on. Okay, I'm ready, Rob. And Rob's like, fuck you and that iPhone, you know what I mean? Like, um, and then it took me about a year and a half of watching as many videos, different things, different everything as I could do to kind of figure it out before I taught my first class. And then I've been doing the online thing since 2012 because I figured there'd be a day where you couldn't bring your guns to the range. You couldn't afford eating the felony to transport them just to go shoot them. So I figured man, we could do this all online. We could drive fire it. We could do that, right? So, you know, COVID happens, which, you know, people started doing Zoom classes and stuff like that. And we had been kind of doing that the whole time, you know? So um, I can't help more than 10 guys in a day with the video diagnostics. But I will tell you this, the video will show you exactly what you're doing wrong and with a couple simple fixes, right, you're going to be better than most, right? Uh, I, most of the guys I train when go to other classes, other big guys' classes will go there. And uh, a guy that had been coming to me for a couple years went to another unit guy's classes. And I was like, hey, how'd it go when I seen him months later? And he's like, I won every drill every time we shot. And I was like, how did that feel? He was like, it was amazing for the first time in a class. I was the guy, right? Um, and really, it was just about chipping away these little habits, these little things that are just making guys better. So um, I kind of started doing my own thing. And I, I disagree with most uh, guys in the training space. And, and, the, and, it, and it's a fundamental disagreement is, you know, when I was in the Army, what we considered training was like, you know, sexual harassment training. Like every year in the army, you got to do suicide awareness. You got to do sexual harassment, even though like, uh, there's only four of us on this team and we're all dudes. You know what I mean? Like who are we going to harass by the way? Right. But we'd still have to do it anyway. 
we would consider that training. But when it comes to a skill that's going to save my life, yo, this ain't training. I need to know this, and we're going to do this till we're all as good as we can be at it, right? But then, you know, you get out of the Army, and these guys are just doing it for money, and it's not the way that they were trained. It's not the way they were shown. It's, it's not any of that, right? So as I went down my own road, I started to see that this is a better way to do it. It just is, man. Now, there's another thing different than you do than everyone else. <clears throat> Less than 100 rounds a day. And you say it's because ammo is expensive. Now, here's where I say, though, in my job right now, if you wanted to transition from a SIG to a Glock, you have to go to, to Glock school to certify on the Glock, right? And you shoot so many rounds that by the end of the week, you're tired of shooting. You're, you're done shooting by the end, right? You're, you're wiped out. You're less than 100 rounds a day. Yeah. So yeah. actually this year I'm actually like 43 to 46 per class. So day. here's the thinking by most people. I'm not going to learn shit. It's 43 to 46 rounds. And I, I say that to you because I want to hear, because you got a pretty good explanation for it. I want to yeah. hear how it's different than these ones that are, because everyone looks at these classes and they're like, oh yeah, if you shoot a thousand rounds or 2000 rounds or 3000 rounds, you're going to, you're going to have so much trigger time that you're going to be great at it. Yeah. You take the opposite approach and say, I yeah. can give it to you with 43 rounds a day. You can shoot right. 120 rounds in my class and I'll give you as much power as you would if you would have shot 3000 rounds. I'll give you more information off your first three rounds than you ever knew about holding the gun even existed. I don't even need 43. I could do it in three rounds. I could do it in two rounds. I could do it. I could fix you off a picture of how you normally shoot. Oh, by the way, never seeing your target, I'm going to tell you where your bullets go as well. Because really what I do on the video is I watch you. I watch where the bullet goes on the video. Right? Like I videotape you, I go to the target. So think about this. If I videotape you and the front of the gun is pointed down, guess where, you know, guess your lucky stripes, where the bullet went. You're going to shoot him in the dick. You have pictures of it. Yeah. Yeah. The dick. Yeah. The dick shot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you, like, you shot him in the dick, right? Like, this is an easy conversation. You shot him in the dick. So, um, that's all I do, right? And then over time, I came up with my own pie chart. I know where your bullets go and why. I know what your biggest problems are. Most of the time, the biggest problems aren't what you think they are. What you think is actually going on is generally two different things. And most people with video diagnostics, and this is all sports players, is when you start doing the video, you look like Barney Fife. Even though your brain tells you you look like the world champ. And then... The more we train, the more we chip away at the video, the more you look like the world champ, the more you're going to actually be like the world champ. So let me ask you then, what is it that most people think they're doing wrong? We'll go pistol. What is it that most people think they're doing wrong? And by what you're saying, what are they really doing wrong? Yeah. So the biggest problem that I see is you'll shoot and your, your group size will be a little bit bigger, all things being equal, 
me and you look like we got the same grip on the gun. We look like we're standing the same, right? But one of our groups is way bigger. So you're going to shoot that group, and you're going to look over the other guy's group. You see it's smaller. So you're going to fix your grip. You're going to try to do stance issues, right? And the truth is, is 50% of everyone I shoot with has eye issues they have to overcome first. Once they overcome the eye issues, the rest is easy, right? And with those eye issues is the gun world only tells you you are primary hand, primary eye, or cross-eye dominant. But the truth is, is those two are more of the same thing. That one eye is so dominant, that's all that matters. So they're actually the same thing. They're not different. And someone who shoots, you won't see them do anything different. Now, 50% of everyone I shoot with, it, maybe if not even more, are what I call eye neutral. You don't have a dominant eye. So you'll switch eyes and your group will magically be uh that far apart on the target and that big every time because you'll shoot one round with your left eye one round with your right eye and you won't even know it and it happens so fast you'll never even know it and because your eyes and what you see is normalized by you because it's your vision you'll never think your eyes are the issue you always think it was something else Going back to your caveman model where a uh, tiger might run in my cave, keep spear close. You also teach home defense plans. Yeah. Now. Keep spear close. I've got, I've got <laughs> to imagine you run across some stupid fucking people doing this. You know, believe it or not, that's not one of the places I've run across stupid people. Really? People that, that they yeah. don't think like, hey, I no, I'm good. I... That, that's how I see most people looking at their home, their castle there. We're good, man. I know all the doors. Yeah. I know where all the yeah. windows are at. We're good, man. Yeah, most of the people that hit me up, like, um, you know, simple stuff, right? Like, it's always simple stuff. I got checklists I read off to you. Make sure you're doing these things, right? Um, most people that do the home stuff with me are realize that something could happen right and are trying to employ every tool they can before that happens make sense which is the essence of home defense dry fire and live fire video analysis we've talked about it a little bit but you go over stance and grip draw presentation and reload uh dry fire coaching is also available online I want you to explain to the people that are listening why it's important if they can't get out to one of your classes, if they can't get out to the range with you, why this would be just as good for them and what it can do for their shooting. I would tell you this. During quarantine, I had people dry fire with me daily, right? I have people dry fire with me every day. Um, I have people that live in states where they're not getting to a range. And I would, we would dry fire every day. And I did a challenge uh, with a cop buddy of mine. And I told him, uh, in three months from now, I'm going to train with this guy and dry fire him every day. Three months from now, I want you to shoot against him. You name the drill, whatever. And my buddy wouldn't shoot against him. So having trained a bunch of people who will never 
get to a range and see how good they actually get from dry fire, right? Personally, I would tell you this. If you're going to the range and shooting more than 20 rounds, you are wasting your time because you cannot focus 20 times as a human being on any fucking thing with the best of your ability. So how does that work then? Most qualifications are 50-round quals. I know, complete waste of fucking time. I could give you three rounds and tell you whether you should pass or not or whatever, right? I do it in every class. I call it the placement test. In three rounds, I can tell you where you rank. So what do you think about the distance shooting then for pistols? Waste of time. 25 yards? Complete waste of time. 15 yards. Complete waste of time. 10 yards. Start doing it. Seven and in. Get after it. So is that because that's where, in your history and in your experience, that's where the kind of the getting gets get? Average gunfight in the United States happens at three yards. That's nine feet. And that's the 90% of everything. Why would I need to do anything past that? So let me ask you a question. If you work on that, you work that seven yards and in, you work that 10 yards, what do your shots look like from the 25? Who cares? You'll never take that shot anyway. Really? Yeah. Concealed carry holder in the United States ain't shooting 25 yards. You'd get charged with a crime. I, I agree. Uh, police officer, 25 yards, grab your fucking rifle and make this an easy shot. Let's get it over with. Okay. So yeah. let's talk about rifles for a second then. Okay. 300 yards. Well, I can do that with a pistol. What's your question? With a rifle. Worth okay. it? Yeah. yeah. 200. Yeah. 100 in. 100. Quick Not transition so drills from 10 and above. No. Okay. Why not? If you're going to shoot distance, you already know. Right? Very few situations in the United States are you shooting at someone 10 yards and then going past 100. Okay. All right. Right. I, I Do you think this. transition drills are good, though? Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, okay. My 600-yard class, um, I think the last, the, the best time I've had is 12.73 like, seconds to shoot 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600. Generally, most guys are in the 15-second range after the two-day class. Um, shooting distance is good. I would tell guys with rifles, zero at a hundred, shoot groups at a hundred. The fundamentals of marksmanship that you will build shooting at a hundred will help at 10 yards. It will help you hold the gun steady. And I, what I generally see in my classes, if you can't shoot under a two in two and a half inch group at a hundred, you're going to have a hard time past 400 yards hitting targets. Okay. Let's move on to your live lectures, John. Yeah. Free courses. My favorite thing. Free courses. My, Intro yeah. to pistol. Yeah. Stance and grip. Presentation. Yeah. Reloads. Malfunctions. Yeah. The live lectures to me, it's that whole business model again that just blows my mind about you. Like, yeah. I mean, charge five bucks, charge 10 bucks. Yeah. I think we do like, Less than 20 bucks a day or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, look, 
the live lectures, this is over Zoom. Right. Right. And the, what I like about the live lecture is in a class, we, we have a definitive, definitive amount of time. But when we do the lecture, I can tell you everything I've experienced, every problem, what it means, what it looks like. I can show you those coaching videos. You know, I have, I don't know how many terabytes of fucking coaching videos I have, but, uh, you know, I bet you I'm doing a, before COVID, I was doing a terabyte of data and videos. Holy shit. Every three months-ish. Right? So... You know, I average probably about five to ten videos a day per guy that I shoot with, right? And if we're doing more advanced shit and you start to get good on me all of a sudden, it's going to take even more video and smaller pieces of video to see what you're fucking up. Um, so having said that, the lectures is I have time to talk about everything I've seen. I can... I can I'll explain to you what I see and why I say what I say, and I will show you the videos and pictures and everything I've had over the years to show you of why I say what I say and how this actually works. The last thing I want to talk about with uh, SOB Tactical, let's talk about SOB TV. <laughs> this yeah. is where you shine. It's going to kind of lead us into our next one. Uh, we'll okay. talk about booze and views in a minute. Uh, okay. Annual is $149.99. Monthly is $14.99. It's available on Apple and Android. Uh, and it's... I can't even really narrow down to what it is. I mean, it covers so many different areas. <laughs> what, what was the idea behind it? Yeah, so... I see so many unique little things on these videos, these coaching videos that like there's so much data in these videos of watching someone shoot and then coaching it and then telling them the couple things they need and then watching again and comparisons from day one to day two and uh, you know all this stuff I do on video. So the premise with the membership site was to show you all my coaching videos, right? So when I started it, I asked the guy that could actually make this and he was like, well, how many videos, you know, do you want to put on the site? And I'm like, I got about 10,000 we could throw up there right now. And he was just like, okay, you're not Netflix too many pare it down. So I was like, okay. So I went through kind of selected. Um, and then I think I got it down to like 500 and he was like, still way too many more, even, even more. So, um, you know, so I put up these coaching videos and these coaching videos of are me with a student, what I tell, what they do, what I tell them, you see the lines, the whole like kind of John Madden football kind of deal. You see it all. Um, and then with that, right, I started putting those up and guess what? No one wants to see that. That's the fucking most and truest data that I have. No one wanted to see it, so I had to start doing it myself. Like, people want to see me do this stupid shit and, and not someone who fucked it up severely so I could show you how I fixed them and then show them fixed, right? Like, no one wanted to do that, right? So uh, what it's morphed into is it's kind of like four things. Monday is a new video. Uh, this year we focused on new shooters 
because you know there's more new shooters now than ever before right so like like you know load clear unload like i never did those videos that's not my clientele the guys already know how to do that not anymore not after covid right so the beginning of the year was a lot of member uh beginner stuff um we put that on on monday uh thursday we'd put out a drill or a gunfight so thursday is more like gun stuff um and then you know booze and news comes out on tuesday so we were kind of putting out probably i don't know probably uh one two three about three to four videos a week for the membership site i think there's over four i think there's over 400 videos showing on the membership site and i think in the membership uh you know depository of videos i think there's like i don't know over 500 or something like that so um and as as we go through these videos right there's just so much in there so we've had to break it down into categories there's a free category right where you don't have to be a member you don't have to pay any money you can see all those videos and i think i got season eight maybe season nine a trigger time in the free videos all the booze and news all the free videos all my d-day jumps all the you know the rangers lead the way short movie that we made like all that stuff is in the free the normandy and then you know in each one is like you know there's kind of like newcomers uh there's some training which is you know particular topics of training uh this month we've been doing long range stuff we've been putting out from classes of mine just some long range stuff um and then uh oh man yeah and then there's leadership stuff and knowledge and we've been doing like uh you know you know how people love the throwback thing on instagram we've been turning them in the videos with the pictures and me talking through it right so we've been doing those those come out on monday as well so we probably put out three to four videos a week for the for the guys, and uh, we have a we have our own app, for our own communication app, um, and all the guys are on there. We got a buy sell trade. We got a. What I'm saying is, you know, the picture you're showing on the screen right now, I got banned off. Of, that video got banned off of YouTube. John, why do you violence. think I put this picture up? I, I wanted know, right? to Did hear you, you say something. Now? Uh, yeah. Listen, yeah. you're testing the strength of your combat bands, and that is a extremely violent thing. <laughs> I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> the, the violence, just the adrenaline dumps, making this kind of goes to show you where we're at right now. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. And look, you know, I tell guys all the time, like this is why. I have a membership site, right? And this is why I try to tell guys, hey, there's a free side. You can watch all the booze and news, all the old trigger times. You can you can do all that. And this is why I tell guys that. Because, look, we live in a day and age where we are getting silenced, right? So it's the only place that I can get my message out. Like, I couldn't get booze and news up on any of the platforms. They'd ban it. They'd So, uh, you know, I did the only thing I could do. And, look... Well, you got an ally in me, so. <laughs> yes. 
So let, let's talk about that. Since let, Let's talk about the shop real quick, and then we'll move into booze and news, because that's kind of the last yeah. thing I want to wrap up with. Let's yeah. talk about the, the shop. You have P-Tools, Kydex holsters, uh, combat bands, uh, boot kits, slings, leather holsters. Uh, you have a garage sale on there where you have just like discount stuff. Um, you you see in the bottom, we have a couple of your slings right here. Yeah. Um, yeah. How's it going with the shop? Oh, man, the shop does really well. You know, look, all the gear in the shop is all stuff I wished I had. You know okay. what I mean? Um, so it was all stuff like, man, I wish I had something like this. And so I was making these, I was teaching like small classes before I was even on Facebook, I was teaching small classes, just word of mouth. Uh, and like, you know, I just make you a, a condom holster for a concealed class, or I'd make you, yeah, I you saw know, the that. concealed for, you know, um, concealed stuff. Right. And I would just make the holsters and then, um, the, my assistant, the girl that works for me, right, who's way smarter and organized than I am, uh, she was like, hey, why don't you make, you know, why don't you make your own store? You got people making these, you bring them to classes, like, and I'm like, yeah, that, that seems like hard to do. Like, yeah, that's a bad idea, right? And, and then uh, she's like, no. And then we just started the store. So uh, believe it or not, Friday the gen two uh mfqd i made my own qd uh and then making slings since 2012 and i'm trying to buy american-made heavy duty qds i've just seen so many break a guy breaks it i just give him a new sling like send me the old one i'll send you a new one don't even worry about it and i made my own qd that can't be broken or if someone breaks it i want to see how you know what i mean and then i want to do it uh next but uh i just started making this stuff right so qds the gen 2 one comes out you know covid uh covid world and supplies are kind of pain in the ass but man you know uh you know the combat bands are high temp silicone i think the last time i threw some on a suppressor and shot them till they broke it takes at least five magazines uh the puncher g10 right like you know stick that thing in a belt you know no metal right and the new kydex sheath for the puncher has absolutely no metal in it screws everything is, is it uh, it is awesome yeah yeah i got i got some ones that are pretty dinged up i just resand them sharp with sand well and that's right. what you say on the side is just resand yeah. these if they get dull yeah. on you yeah i've even uh got a file and like broke the tip off and reshaped the tip like <laughs> with a file and some sandpaper um yeah but it's all stuff that like i wanted i use i believe in you know what i mean it's not like i'm trying to sell everything popular like i just kind of do my stuff so let's talk about what we've been building towards the entire yeah. time my opinion and i'm probably wrong <laughs> <laughs> booze and views yeah now, there's been some times on these booze and views where, I don't know, you might have gotten a whiskey ice cream sent to you and you <laughs> went kind of bananas on it. And But I want to talk about a couple different specific booze and views you had. Okay. I want to talk about the COVID. Mm. Okay? Yeah. I want to know... 
I'm almost scared to ask. <laughs> Just go for it. I'll Let's talk about it. COVID and Dr. Fossey. Uh, or Fauci or however you say uh, his name. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about this. <sighs> Dr. Fauci, the head of the NIH, right? Okay. This guy is a civilian employee who, as a government employee, is allowed to patent shit to make money off of shit. Think about this. If you were in the army and you thought up something really clever, would you own the patent? No, the army would. The army would, right? So nowhere else is this fucking appropriate, but this guy gets away from it, right? And then, you know, the the name <laughs> of the lab in Wuhan is like the Wuhan Center for Advancing the COVID, you know, virus, right? Like that's like actual name. I mean, think about this. Think about this. I don't know. You're in fucking, I, I don't even know, right? You're in, you're in fucking, you know, Disney World and you get the, the Mickey Mouse flu is going around and it only comes from Disney World, right? And it's like, and it's called the Disney Mouse, the Disney Mickey Mouse fucking flu, right? And it's like, well, you know, it could be from somebody who, you know, licked a centipede, uh, which kissed a hummingbird, and that hummingbird pecked you, broke your skin, and now you got a fucking disease. It's like... No, it's from uh, Mickey. It comes from fucking Mickey Mouse and <laughs> Disneyland, and that's why they call it the Disneyland Mickey Mouse, right? I'm just trying to dumb it down so people understand, right? So this guy funded it, right? And he funded it through a cutout, the other guy. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the other guy's name. And the other guy paid for it all. So he funded another guy who paid for the Wuhan lab to advance these coronaviruses because the Wuhan lab is the coronavirus. It, that's its fucking title. So is it a bioweapon? Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to see more of it. And I think this is the way of the future. Well, right? it. I, I tell you, 2020... In my short 45 years on this planet, uh, was the weirdest year I've ever been through. It was the weirdest fucking thing I've ever done in my life. And I've seen some weird shit. Yeah, I completely agree. Not only would I say that, not only do I agree, wholeheartedly agree with that, is anybody who's a critical thinker or is like, wait a minute, hold on here. Someone eight bat soup right this is this is how this happened just like benghazi was an internet video right like that's crazy talk so let's move on to our next one and this was the one that i'm really looking forward to special forces officer spying for the russians now oh, fuck that okay well hold on i knew that this was gonna happen listen you went fucking bananas on this video. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Something I want you to explain something first before you talk about this guy. Okay. The difference between a Green Beret and Special Forces. Yeah. So, a Special Forces guy graduates the Q course. Okay. Right? He gets to a team, and that's the pinnacle of his life. And he will not apply himself any more than that because he's cool as fuck. Just get out of his way. He knows everything. 
because he passed the Q course and he can wear Oakleys. Okay. A green beret is the guy where you're like, yo, these dudes ain't coming back with us. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and a green beret is like, yo, boss, I got this. You know what I'm saying? I, I so, get it. So, and, and then, you know, I made a video on the membership site of who I wouldn't take on a hit. And, and look, it boils down to this, and it's this simple, is we're going to go out tonight and I'm going to ask you to murder. Let's just call it murder. Let's call it what it is. We're going to murder some motherfuckers tonight. And I'm going to ask you to murder motherfuckers tonight. So, are you going to do it? Are you all in? Because if the answer is no, and you're a motherfucking special forces guy, you'll be the first one I cut off the helicopter. If I know, like, no matter what I throw at you, you're going to say, boss, I think that's a great idea. And we're going to do that, whether it's a good idea or not, you know, because it's our only option, generally. That's the guy I want to bring with me. No questions asked. You're all in all the time. Doesn't even matter. I don't care if it's right or wrong. Some would argue that this guy was all in. Who? This special forces officer. He was all in taking it in the keister. Well, and I want <laughs> I want to get to the part that really set you off. Okay. That guy, one, is a humongous dickhead for doing what he did. I, I do not agree. I do not disagree with you. That guy is a extreme dickhead. The part that's really fucked up about what he did was he made lists of people that the Russians should go after that he worked with by making psychological exams of them and letting them know who would be successful, susceptible, excuse me, susceptible to spying for them. Trying to stay calm and count to 10 as we talk. <sighs> I'm really, I mean, this guy is fucking employee of the month for spying. Like he went above and beyond. I think in this aspect, we got to hate the player, you know, not the game. the game, not the player, but yeah, the, exploiting the guys he works with uh, who would be susceptible to this who isn't who whatever like selling other guys out to these fuckers like if this guy was my officer he would have died in a freak frag accident <laughs> so what do we do with this guy Put him in prison the rest of his life, man. Let make him toss people's salad, jelly, or syrup. Does that do anything? I, I, I and I'm really asking you this because he put the life of a ton of Americans on the line, and I would say that he's almost the worst kind of guy because he's giving up his teammates who, beyond anyone. He's supposed to protect. Being a commanding officer, you know what I exactly. Mean? Um, I would say this. This is fucking game on, right? Look, uh, remember when it came out a while ago that the Russians were offering bounties for Americans in Afghanistan through the Taliban? Remember that? Well, wasn't that because I mean of the war they fought? 
and right. lost. Right, right. So, you know, okay, so the Russians are offering bounties for Americans. You think we ain't offering bounties for those motherfuckers? Like, it just didn't make the news, you know? So I believe this is a tit for tat. I believe that this is the nature of humanity. I believe you'll never prevent this or you'll never stop it. And I believe that this guy should do his life in prison and you shouldn't fucking even blink an eye and keep going on. There's tons of shitty people in the world. Does that mean that the good people shouldn't try to help who they can help? No, but here's my question. You say you can't stop it, right? Yeah. What do you think pushes this guy over the line to go everything I've worked for, everything I've done, because it's not a fucking cakewalk. It's not. Whether you're special forces or a Green Beret, it's not a cakewalk. Or everyone would do it. What what happens to this guy that he goes, you know what? I don't give a shit. Whatever. Simple. This is the simplest answer, and it's what's fucking up our world right now. Greed. Okay. Greed. He cares more about himself and money than he does his brothers, right? And and then I would say that's a simple answer. And I would say that's the root of most problems in this in the world to begin with. I agree. Let's move on to extremists in the ranks. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a funny one too. <laughs> now <laughs> Let's talk about a couple things. We had uh, an extremist at Fort Hood who did a mass shooting. Yeah. Now, you weren't necessarily talking about that kind of extremist, but I want to cover the whole area of extremists. Yeah. Whether that be far right, far left, Muslim, whatever it may be. How does this happen in the Army? That guy who did the mass shooting, his job was the U.S. government, was U.S. military. And I guess you could go back to that special forces officer, all that kind of stuff. This guy didn't do it for greed, though. Yeah. Yeah. I think extremists in any sense are good, right? Especially in the Army. Like, you think you are going to fight and win wars if you're not an extremist? You mean to tell me, Hear me out on this. You mean to tell me there was zero extremists in the army when we won World War II? No, there were people that that was their whole job was they wanted to kill Nazis. Right. Um, So the bulk of this is a good thing, right? Okay. The patriot extremists, right, who believe in America, believe in Uncle Sam, and will do anything to keep their family safe and make sure they get home. Right. The reality is, is today's definition of extremists is aimed at that guy. It's not aimed at the Muslim who shoots up Fort Hood. It's not aimed, you know, uh, at any of that. But I would also say this is even in World War Two, there is an unmarked graveyard of murderers and rapists. And you know what I mean? So I personally think that when this stuff happens, it's within the percentages of humanity. You know what I mean? Like 50% of everyone on the planet is regular people. 10% of those are morons, unemployable, like, 
you know, it is what it is, like unacceptable, socially unacceptable. This is humanity in general, right? 10% of the world is fucking idiots, right? That, that can't have jobs, can't do anything, right? That leaves, you know, another 30% that's probably above most classes that, that leads us to the 1% everybody, right? So I personally think when you're running an organization that's a million or what, 2.2 million DOD, right? Like you're 10% of those 2.2 million are fucking completely worthless individuals, right? And, and then so I think this is just humanity. We shouldn't let us make it mad, you know, this is one of the things that used to get me in the unit is a guy gets in trouble. He's between the ages of, you know, 27 and 35. He gets in trouble. Generally, it's alcohol or girls. Why? Because he's between the ages of 27 and 35, right? And he lives a fucked up life, right? Why? Because we endorse the fucked up life. It's because that's our life and it's how we live right? Guy gets in trouble, right? I'd have to go in there and fight for my guy. And it's like, the unit, the unit's credibility is at stake here. And it's like, I got to disagree with that for one reason. There's only four of us who know, three of us are in this room and the other guy's downstairs in the team room <laughs> waiting for us to judge him. Right? So like, like, seriously, like it's not on CNN. It's fucking, you know, so but, but let me let me let me stop you there for just a second. <clears throat> With that, you talk about that it's not on CNN and stuff. But when you have things like uh, Seventh Group that just came out, where the the secretary—I know you've heard the story about the secretary that was oh, being, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess, passed around or whatever it may be. Yeah. The only thing I can say to that is I agree with you. Yeah, there's three guys in this room that know about it. The fourth guy's in the team room. We're about to judge him. But I think they always look at, but what if it does? We're fucked if this gets out. Because we live, whether, John, whether you and I like it or not, we live in a transparent world. Everything yeah. has to be said. So what happens when it does leak out? Because you know, you know, there's fuckers like that that leak information all the time. Yeah. It's going to happen and it leaked out. So what? I mean, think about this. What most people don't realize is most guys, by the time they make that mistake, they're probably 15 years into the army of a spotless record. You're going to shit can all of that. You know what I mean? For so what's the, who, so what's the answer? The answer is habitual. Okay. If this is, you know, a guy has three alcohol-related incidents, might have an alcohol problem. A guy has, you know, three, you know, I don't know, women-related incidents, or I don't, I don't even know what to call it, right? Uh, like, yo, maybe he's got a problem with women, right? Well, well, let's let's go back and let's talk about the alcohol incident. Yeah. You have said over and over, these guys live a fucked-up life. They see yeah. fucked up things all the time that the normal person is not going to see. Is there any kind of leeway to go? You have no idea. You have no idea what this guy has seen in life. No, because no one gives a fuck. And, and that's what's wrong, right? So 
at a leadership level, you got to fight for your guy, right? And look, I've even had, like, I'll give you an example. I had a, a company commander when I was a, a, in a special forces. My guy used his government travel card. So the, the commander's like, we're giving this guy an Article 15. We're going to make an example out of him. I'm like, okay, what happened? And he's like, well, he used his government card. I'm like, yeah, but what happened? Why did he use his card? Like, do we have any details yet? And he's like, I just got the blotter, and it's on the blotter. We're making an example of this guy. I'm like, well, hold on here. Like, let's go fucking talk to him first. He's a pretty decent guy. Let's just go ask him, see what he says, right? So I go... I'm like, you know, and he's like, no, we're making an example. I'm doing the paperwork. And I'm like, look, if you're doing the paperwork, that's fine. Let me file the paperwork. If he gets in trouble again. That's a trick. That's a trick. (laughs) Don't tell nobody. That's a trick. So he's like, fine, you can file it. So I go get my guy and I'm like, hey, you use your government card. He's like, yeah. So he gets out his wallet and he lays down two cards in front of me. And he goes, pick the government card same bank same color same fucking name just different card numbers i'm like uh this one and he's like that's the government card so i'm like can i borrow these so i go in the commander's office i'm like okay check this out pick the government card and he picked the wrong one he picked the government card right so I was like, so we're going to get a guy in trouble because he has two identical credit cards and you need to make an example to nip this in the bud right now, which he already paid. He realized he did it. He had already paid it off. Right. And then the commander's like, yeah. So I'm like, okay. So I get, I get my guy down there we go in his office. He commander does his shit. Right. And I was like, Hey sir, can I have the room for a minute? And he's like, sure. So he leaves, I fucking slam the door. I'm like, motherfucker, what the fuck? And he's looking at me. I'm like, so I, I chew him out for like five minutes, right? And he just sits there on the couch. We come out of the room. Everyone's like at the door, like, uh, we didn't see nothing, right? Looking away, right? We walk out. We get back to the team room. I tell the guys what happened, and I shredded his Article 15 in front of him. Well, that's the old parent trick where you slap the bed with the belt instead of hitting your kid. Yeah, but you can't ruin someone's I get it. good years. I agree. Right? So, I completely agree. But I, you have think, people that aren't out there banging away at it every day that don't see that. I think it boils down to this. Every case is individual. Absolutely. And you can't judge the next guy based off the guy in front of them or vice versa. We got to, we got to play it. But I would tell you this, if, 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 you know, uh, the spy guy was in my company, would I have kicked his ass if I had the chance before they came and got him, right? Like I'd have fucking put him down at least once if I could have. But the reality is, is it's not even worth me getting in trouble over that because this guy would have done it anyway. And it's whatever's going to happen to him is whatever's going to happen to him. Like, why would we make this worse for ourselves or harder, right? So everything needs to be a case-by-case basis based off an individual's personal performance. One more topic. Okay. I'm going to let you pick because I have two, but I'm going to let you pick. Okay. Vaccination passports. 
Yeah. Or the border crisis. Oh, fuck. They're both good, man. It's 50 50. You You pick. No, no, no. You pick. I want you to pick this last one vaccination passport. All right. Let's go with that. I'm getting ready to travel. They're saying that you're going to need a vaccination passport to get on planes. Yep. Let's go. It's not going to happen. Okay. In the Nuremberg trials, the Geneva Convention prevents people from vaccinating people against their will. Right? When Israel, right? And this was the catalyst of the vaccination passport failing. Israel said, you can fly here, but you're not leaving without a vaccination. Well, that is forcefully vaccinating people against their will, right? And uh, so there was a couple lawsuits leveled in Israel going back to the Nuremberg trials in the Geneva Convention. And Israel quickly backed off and said, we don't need no vaccination passports. Fuck that, right? Because when as, as soon as it actually tied to their direct past. It was no longer a good idea, right? So I think with the vaccination passports is we're asking people to be vaccinated without kind of their consent. If you want to travel, you got to have that passport, but that's forcing people to get vaccinated against their will, right? And in America here, we have freedom of choice, right? Like the the vaccination could be the best thing ever. It could give you golden nuts. And every time your sperm comes out, it's a one ounce gold coin and you'll be rich. (laughs) There's still people out there that wouldn't take that shit because they don't want gold coins coming out the end of their dick. Like, so as good as it might be, it may not be good for someone else. And we can't force that on people. It's a terrible idea. Right. And it goes back to World War Two. You know, all all those cattle cars and those. I guys. was wondering if you would bring this up. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It all goes back to that, man. And so it's a it's a Nuremberg thing. It's a Geneva Convention. I think it's a terrible idea. And I would say this, this pandemic i want to make sure i get my buddy ears and you got him in okay if it was so bad if this was so bad and so many people died you think i'd have to tell you to take that fucking shot (laughs) you know what i mean like if if everyone you knew was dying like you'd be running you know like that that shot could come out of fucking who knows what it comes (laughs) out of you'd put your mouth on it and suck it right down right so the reality is, is we're trying to force people, right? But it's over bullshit because if there was a real pandemic and this was actually a real clearer and not just a fucking booster flu shot, uh, you wouldn't have to tell anyone to get that vaccination. And again, wouldn't need the passport that way either. And I agree. Now, I will tell you, I've been vaccinated. I was one of the first rounds. Uh, I've been vaccinated. Um, and my whole thing about it is, uh, you know, I think it's up to people to decide. I have a buddy at work that hasn't gotten it. Um, and I've had a lot of people that have told me, you know, until they do more research on it, I'm going to leave it alone. You know, it is what it is until, until they figure out what it's going to do. I'm of the mind state that uh, I need to do whatever I can. 
You know what I'm saying? And and that's yeah. like you said, it's for each individual person to happen. Yeah. What I worry about though is that's not the way that it's looked at anymore. There it's not it's not looked at as what's good for you is good for them, is good for the it's whatever we decide is good for everybody. Yeah, I don't know. But it's when. not for health. It's for political reasons. It is. I don't know when. Washington DC's opinion of everyone life in their state which their state trumps the federal government I don't know when the DC opinion became so fucking popular you know it's a fucking shitty reality show that's on every channel all the time and ain't nothing real about reality well do you know when it became when Donald Trump was the president that's when it became important because you had two differing opinions so different from each other, vying for that top spot. Whatever got the lead, if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, and that's, that's the way answer. and that's the way it happened. And I think that's Probably where man. we got so divisive there that that's where it happened. And it's going to take a long time to come back to middle ground. It will. I I believe it will. I believe in in my heart of hearts that it will come back to equal ground but it's going to take a while. I don't think it's going to, I don't think the pendulum swings the other way. You don't agree that it's cyclical. We're never going to see a conservative world. Really? Yeah, no. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Because tough motherfuckers or people I would consider tough who are out there grinding it out every day just to support their family, the fatherless guys out there, they don't got fucking time to change the world. The conservative voice will always be quiet. But it do you agree be, that those guys will always be there? Oh, they'll always be there. Okay. But they're going to be too busy and they can't be fucking around eating felonies because they got kids to feed. You know what I mean? John, this has been an amazing <laughs> conversation. Yeah. I've had a blast talking to you. I was so looking forward to this. I want you to tell people where they can find you, how they yeah. can get in touch with you, how they can sign up for classes, all that kind of stuff. And we'll just kind of go from there. Floor's yeah, yours. Man. Yeah. So, uh, look, SOB tactical is the website, right? Um, and then you'll see on there, it's kind of broken, it's kind of simple, broken down into categories. You'll see online training, you'll see home defense, membership site. I would say this, the membership site and uh, lectures are a couple of my favorite things because I have the time to answer your questions and take care of you. We have a community, we built a community, we get together every year, I throw this huge party, I rent a tent, probably bad for the business model like you talk about, but uh, we, we throw this big party, we get trashed, have a bonfire. You're more than welcome to come if you wanna come out. The guys would love to, to have you out, right? But uh, we built this community and it's been great. We have a secondary communication app um, we use the Slack app, right? It's more like a business uh, suite for messaging each other. But the reality is, is you would have went with Parler or any other ones, you would have got shut down on those, right? So we went with something outside the norm. All the guys are on Slack. We have a category for everything. We got 
you know, training pistols. Like you could ask me a question. Here's a, you just ask me a question. I'll answer it. Right. If, if you ask me a question, if you're a member, you're on there, you ask me a question, I'll get back to you to the best of my ability. I'm on there every day. And it's just really been good, man. If look, if you want to watch booze and news, watch.sobtactical.com. That'll take you to the membership site, hit browse, scroll down free videos and there you'll see all the booze and news like um but yeah everything i do is kind of off sob tactical um and look come be a member man we're looking for good dudes that are just like us that you know you're trying to get a little bit better be a little smarter defend your family stop wasting so much money on bullshit because it was popular and then six months from now no one wants it uh so we're just kind of like I like to think that I get a lot of smart guys, right? Like I don't get the guys because of the video, guys with ego or want to have to shoot 2,000 rounds a day. Them guys ain't coming to me no more. They just don't. Like their ego can't take the bruising of knowing they didn't do everything perfect, even though they know they didn't do everything perfect, right? Uh, and I get a lot of smart guys, man. And guys that are professionals where, you know, they might only have, you know, a little bit of time to train, you know, and that's kind of, kind of what I do, right? And I teach small classes. If you come to a class, average class size is probably about five to seven. Uh, I do do sometimes up to 10. It's kind of my limit. Um, and, you know, we do everything. I think I've taught about 280 different classes or something. I don't fucking know. It's been so many. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a life, life is not cookie cutter. So if I, you know, you come to me, police departments, police academies, they come to me. Uh, I tailor a solution to what they could pull off right now that just gets them to that next level. And then, you know, maybe we can go from there, right? So, uh, yeah, I just try to help as many people as possible, man. You know, like I have good intent. I want to help. Uh, I know guys talk shit. I'm, you know, I've been an asshole, whatever, right? Like, guys say what they want. It's the internet, you know, for every guy, you know, like I always say this about unit guys. If you ask two unit guys about a guy, one guy's going to hate his fucking guts and one guy's going to love him to death. What's the difference? The guy that loves him actually knows him and the guy that hates him only heard of him. John. I'm so glad you came on here, guys. Hey, thanks, man. John Shrek McPhee. <laughs> he has more nicknames than anyone. We didn't even get into zero. Uh, we will the next time, though. <laughs> we will talk about zero, the nickname, next time. If you want to check this guy out, and you absolutely should, check out his gear. Check out his classes, sobtactical.com. It is a wealth of knowledge. If you want to check out his videos, SOBTV, it's absolutely fantastic. If you want more of me, catch me on Twitter at DoublespeakDJ. Catch me on Facebook at the DTD Podcast. And catch me on YouTube at the DTD Podcast. That's been the show for tonight. That's John Shrek McPhee down there. I'm DJ. This has been the show. Glasses up. Cheers. We're out of here. We'll catch you on the next one, guys. See you Cups later. Cups up. Cups up. <laughs>